a wall that you could get travel against the wall out of harm's way. You could just get from that port undercover back to this one. Then it's, then it's way out, way there. out there. This part, this part. Someday, someday, I'll take you out there. All right, I, these are the listening tunnels that are underneath the crowd, and they're designed so nobody else can dig underneath the crowd. We were constantly worried that the enemy would dig holes under the crowd, big ones, fill them with gunpowder, and blow the crown up. So we, when we built the crown, had to build our own tunnels underneath so guys could sit underground and listen. So we're going to go into the listening tunnel. This is where the guys would listen. These openings is where the guys would sit. That's the last right here. Yeah, we can't go much farther than this. Uh, this is where the guys would listen. These openings is where the guys would sit and listen. That's the last right here. But it's way out there. And someday I'll take you out there. Fort Adams in Newport, Rhode Island has undergone many iterations in both structure and purpose. Its current iteration, built between 1824 and 1857, was an active military post until the 1950s. Fort Adams is heralded as an architectural marvel. It houses some of the most diverse and innovative examples of military building technologies from throughout history. One of its most distinctive features is its network of so-called listening tunnels. Fort Adams contains 3,110 feet of underground tunnels. Their purpose was to allow Fort Adams troops to listen for underground enemy activity, for soldiers burrowing beneath the fort's walls, attempting to infiltrate the site. If Fort Adams troops heard such underground activity, they would dig a counter tunnel in the direction of that sound. And if they got close enough, would ignite stores of gunpowder to destroy the enemy troops. You enter the tunnels where they are most open. You have a choice to remain at the mouth where you can freely exit or to go deep within. You begin in an above ground passageway made of brick and stone that is about six feet wide and eight or nine feet tall. To your left is a shorter passageway that rounds a corner to take you down a flight of stairs. You always know when somebody's claustrophobic, when they ask the question, are the tunnels getting smaller? I think they're getting smaller. They are. But you always know that's a clue that you have somebody in distress. There is a noticeable shift in temperature. The walls are cold and wet to the touch. About 20 feet down the passageway, the darkness totally sets in, as the doorway you came from is no longer visible. 
Also at this point is a small opening about the size of a toaster in the ceiling, which leads to the last air vent connected to the outside. From here, the passageway branches off left and right. Follow either of these directions and you'll understand that the passageway branches out again, left, right. Only with the flashlight can you see that one branch leads to a dead end and the other leads back to the central passageway. Turn your light off and you plunge instantly into pitch black. If you are with a tour group or your family, it's possible that while you are in one part of the tunnels and someone else from your party is in another, you'll still be able to hear each other, scuttling around in the dark, laughing off nervousness, taking deep breaths. If you are alone, you will most likely take measures to comfort yourself. I whistled, sang little songs, dug the toes of my boots into the packed earth floor, kicked rocks, and eventually found my way out. Once you've surfaced, you'll notice how loud the outside world is. Insects and birds humming into the coastal air, metal fixtures clinging against the flagpoles, passing boats, all sound like they've been played back to you over a loudspeaker. The sun, in turn, feels brighter and warmer than it ever has. Listening tunnels are a symbol, a physical manifestation of the broad, innately human fear of the unknown. The tunnels serve to remind us that we respond to this fear the only way we know how, by creating something equally unfathomable, dark and deep, with which to fight it. Hi, my name is Steve Marino. I am a tour guide at Fort Adams, have been for about the last 10 years. Uh, I love being out here because I was a history teacher in my past life. And I love meeting new people from all over the world and all different kinds of people and talking about history and architecture and, and, and even ghosts and soldiers and what it's like to be a laborer working here. Every tour is a little different, and that's a challenging and fun experience for me, and it makes every day different. But the reason why people seek this out is all different reasons, to be honest. Some of them just like to walk around and look at the boats, enjoy the breeze, but it's the tunnels. That's, that's the big draw, is the tunnels, and people want to see them. I just don't think children get to play in dark spaces. There's just nothing like it in their experience. And at the end of it, to go get a flashlight and walk into a dark space, they don't remember that it's a listening tunnel and they don't remember what it was here for, but they remember they were in a dark space and their parents might have been behind them or in front of them, but they're not sure and they're not sure where it's going to end up. Every army had guys who dug underground. On the defensive side, it's a little different because the tunnels were built beforehand. You weren't digging the tunnels, but they still called them miners. And you were sent down into these pre-built tunnels. If an enemy army did land down at Gooseberry Beach, 
and proceed up the peninsula, you would have to be in the tunnels. Mm -hmm. And you would have your pick and your gunpowder. And it would be hair raising. Now, how long would that last? Six weeks, seven weeks until either you surrendered or they went home. That would be it. That would be the life of the Fort Adams listening tunnels. And, and to be perfectly frank, this fort was never attacked. And so probably there weren't many people down there ever. It was at this point in our conversation when I had realized I had come to Fort Adams and the listening tunnels with a lot of assumptions. Upon arrival, I had constructed this fiction of dozens of soldiers being led down into the cavernous black, being told to wait, being told to listen for enemy troops that might never come. I'd imagined young men sitting possibly shoulder to shoulder, but infinitely isolated by that deep darkness, that darkness that keeps you from seeing even your own fingers in front of your face. But none of that was true. There was never that collective sense of waiting I had imagined. I think, in my experience, it would be air raid shelters that people built in their backyards during the Cold War. And we were encouraged to do that by the government have a place in your cellar, if you weren't gonna have an air raid shelter in your backyard, have a place in your basement where you had kept fresh water and food. And there was a level of paranoia that was elicited by a fear of an unseen enemy. So that, that's my generation's listening tunnels, yeah. I guess. Unseen enemies and how you protect yourself from them secret cells of terrorists inside the United States that you know people are terrified of. They're here. We can't see them and we don't know them. But what are we going to do to defend ourselves from them? What have we done in response to that that's similar to the listening tunnels? I don't know. For me, the listening tunnels are evident of a particular kind of thought about what is threatening and a particular kind of response. They are about figuring out how to respond to something you can't see by building something the other enemy can't see. And I think this mentality persists because today, none of our enemies are as clear cut as cannons and soldiers on horseback more and more, we're going to defend against cyber weapons, biological weapons, psychological weapons. And I think there might be a contemporary equivalent of the listening tunnel mentality in terms of warfare, in terms of security, in terms of our daily interactions with each other. And the listening tunnels are that. Yeah. They are a physical representation of that fear. Here, things run in parallels. Two paths diverging, two directions in and out, backward and forward, left 
and right. This is a place of choices, but a place of diminishing returns. Your agency can only take you so far. This place is a shroud, the dark concealment and containment of fear. It asks that you leave the ease of breathing, the warmth of touch, the light that marks the passage of time. This place is a contract between a machine and its maker. It is a human-powered network, an earthen transmitter of dark energy. This is a place that consumes. Sound digested into deep echo, light absorbed into thick black, air compressed into damp blankets of stillness, thoughts into far-off voids in hopes of response. This response we crave is a strange, tricky thing. Receiving it would give our work purpose.